Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Rick Kiley. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. Luke chapter 4, verse 18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. I want you to take this personally. This is what Jesus said about himself. But if we call ourselves Christians, this is what he's called us to do. He had anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captive, recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised. Verse 19, and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. This is the last of a series of eight messages that we've preached on concerning helping the hurting. And we took the word recovery with eight letters and today we are on the Y. And the Y stands for yield. We need to yield ourselves to God. Jesus, we pray that this will be a blessed time for all of your people. That people will receive the healing that they need and the direction that they seek from you for their lives. And we'll give you the thanks and praise in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, you may be seated. So today we're gonna answer two questions. Number one, why has God allowed my pain? Have you ever asked that question? Why has God allowed my pain? And number two, how can I use what I've learned from my pain to help others? So let's talk about why has God allowed my pain? Now God does not cause everything, but God does allow everything. It's important for you to understand the difference between the two, okay? God's not in the process of creating tragedy. Man's in that process. But God does allow things to happen. And why would God allow pain? Why why would God allow suffering? Very tragic event this this past week, we we had a state patrol officer who was killed in a gun battle. I'm sure that people are hurting, and all of us should be hurting for law enforcement, and a, a young man at the age of 21, first day of work, killed in the line of duty. Tragic. And some people will say, well, God could have stopped that. You know what? We don't have to defend God. God allowed it. God didn't cause it. Man caused it. Okay? Man caused it. God allowed it. What good is going to come out of it? Well, you may not know that for some time. But why does God allow me, as as an individual, to have pain? in my life. Well, here's here's why I believe. We have to understand that God has given us a free will. He has given us a free will. Choose you this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, Joshua said, we will serve the Lord. You have a choice. You are not forced at this time 
to bow your knee to Jesus Christ. You will be at one time. That will be taken away from you. But at the present time, you don't have to serve God. Matter of fact, you can do anything you want until you break the law and get caught at it. But outside of that, you, you can get away with lots of things and think that God doesn't see. God sees everything. God knows everything. He's given you a free will. And with that free will comes either rewards or consequences. I remember when I was a young man, we, my parents used to watch a program called Truth or Consequences. You know what? We're still living in the day of truth or consequences. As a man sows, so shall he reap. The things that are done in secret will be rewarded openly. This is what it says in Jonah chapter two and verse 17. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord and my prayer came unto me in thine holy place. See, God uses circumstances and pain to get my attention. One man said it this way, we don't change when we see the light, we change when we feel the heat. And so God uses circumstances to get our attention. God can use my pain to teach me to depend on him. Depend on him. I heard one man say it this way, he's all I've got, but he's all I need. He's all I've got, but he's all that I need. I remember uh, a difficult time in my life, and, I, and throughout this series, I've, I've opened up to you, and I've, I've shared some things that normally I wouldn't share. But if it helps you, then it's worth it. I'm, and I'm gonna share another story with you today. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> my father was a great, great man. My father uh, served in the United States Army. He fought in World War II at the Battle of the Bulge. He didn't tell me a lot about war as much as, it, as you think it would be interesting. He, most soldiers don't like to talk about war and about battles. It's not a fond memory. It's, it's not TV and it's not movies. But he did open up to me one time and, and I said, Dad, how did, how did you get captured? He said, well, he said, I asked, my, my sergeant directed me to, to advance and take the next foxhole. And so I asked my sergeant, is the foxhole cleared? Meaning, are we sure that the enemy is not in that foxhole? And the sergeant said, yes, the foxhole's been cleared, now take that foxhole. So he ran from his position and dived into the foxhole and it was full of Germans, the enemy at that time. And so he was captured. He spent the rest of the war in a prison camp until the war ended and then he was released. That drastically affected his life. Um, My father was a very heavy smoker 
And I, I don't know if the war was a part of that. He never liked to talk about how he got started, but he had become a heavy smoker. And by the time that he was 48 years old, he had had half of one of his lungs removed because he had lung cancer. So I could see in the shortness of his breath and the hacking and, and all of that that can come with, with lung cancer and with smoking, I saw the suffering that went on in his life. And you know what? That really saved me. It saved me from smoking. I never wanted to be involved in that because I, I saw the price that he was paying. At the age of 48 years old, my wife and I came into the church and, and found our relationship with God. And the first people you're going to go to are your loved ones to share what you've experienced. And so I talked to my parents. At the age of 48, they had given my father only six months to live. And so maybe that caused him to be open to what we were sharing from the word of God. My mother and my father came into the church. They were, had repented, were baptized, and received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And, and he still only had six months to live. But he, when he came to the altar and completely gave his life to God, God gave him an incredible miracle because he healed him of cancer. He was, and every six months, my father would have to go in for check, checkups to make sure that the cancer had not come back. And for 11 years, my father lived cancer-free. Isn't that great? That's, that's a wonderful testimony. I thank God for the, for the 11 years, the 11 extra years that we got. But at the age of 59, for whatever reason, cancer came back to his life and took him. And he died at the age of 59. Now, I, I told you all of that so that you will understand where I'm coming from with my own brief testimony concerning this. A few years ago, a terrible thing happened in my life. I'm, I, I was brought into a state of fear. How many of you ever been afraid? Okay, you're being honest. Did you know that fear not is used 366 times in the Bible? Fear not connected together. Did you know why? Because there's 365 days a year and every leap year we get another day so that 360, we never have more than 366 days in a year. So fear not. That's easy to say, isn't it? Until fear tries to grip you. And so here's what happened to me. The enemy came to me. I, I don't remember the exact year so I'm not gonna try. But the enemy came to me, and, and I knew it was the enemy right away. And, he, and this is what he said. He said, I'm going to tell you three things. You're going to die young. You're going to die of cancer. And you're going to suffer greatly. And he said that to me every day that I got up to pray. First thing I heard, you're going to die young. You're going to die of cancer and you're gonna suffer greatly. Remember your father. See, Satan is merciless. He shows no mercy, he doesn't play by any rules. That's why I have no mercy for him. 
I, I think it's time that we resist the devil, that we strike back, not get in this defensive mode. You leave me alone and I'll leave you alone. No, we need to be more offensive toward the enemy. But, so what I did, even from the first day, I went to God and I said, now God, I don't believe this is you talking to me. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to tell me, I will not die young, I will not die of cancer, and I will not suffer greatly. That's what I did, and I told him every day, and he heard me every day. And you know what he said? Nothing. Nothing. I know when God talks to me. And he said, nothing. So the enemy came, and this is what I learned. I learned that the enemy is a short-term fighter. He fights hard, but he doesn't have endurance. Okay? And no trial that I could ever find in the scripture from the enemy ever lasted more than 40 days. Never. Never beyond 40 days. You can take the time to look that up yourself. So since God wasn't talking to me, Satan kept talking. It's the same thing with Goliath. Did you know that? Goliath came against Israel for 40 days and gave the same speech every day. They had it memorized. They knew what he was going to say first thing in the morning, and yet the whole nation hid behind the rocks. And this went on and on. And, I, and when the trial was over, I counted, and it was 40 days. So you know what I did? I, I'm not all that bright, but I, I do learn some things. And what I learned was, if God will not tell you what you want him to say, it would be better to back up and say, God, tell me what I need to hear, even if it's not what I want to hear. I mean, go ahead, God. If I am gonna die young, if I am gonna die of cancer, and I've go, if I am gonna suffer greatly, then just tell me, because I don't like this situation of not hearing what you have to say to me and only hearing what Satan is saying. Can I get an amen? amen. Now, I'm saying this because it may help somebody here today. And when I said, God, tell me what I need to hear even if it's not what I wanna hear, then God spoke. And you know, he's so good at this. We ask him a question and he asks us a question. He does it all the time, doesn't he? And you know why? To try and get us to remember some lesson that we should already know. That's why he asks questions. So here, he said, I'm gonna ask you a question first. All right? Have I ever failed you in the past? I'm asking you that question right now today on God's behalf. If you're afraid and if you're fearful right now, here's God's question to you. Has God ever failed you in the past? Because I have never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging bread. God always takes care of his people. Now, you might use his people to do it. It might not be a manna drop. He might not blow the quails in. But he'll move on somebody 
when the need is evident for them to give. So his question was, have I ever failed you? And I said, no, sir, you have never failed me. He said, then if I have never failed you in the past, why would you think that I would fail you in the future? Here you are today, all of you, myself included. We're in a nice warm building. It's raining outside, so what? I'm not getting wet. I'm not cold, right? I'm not starving. God's taking care of us. We, We fear the present and we fear the future because we're not thankful for the past. We fail to remember to take inventory as to what God has done because we're concerned about what God might not do. Big mistake. We should be thankful for the past and we should be trusting for the future. That's what I call TNT. Thankful for the past, trusting for the present and for the future. So when the questions were over, this is what he said. I will never forget this in my entire life when the questions were over. I'm not going to tell you, Rick, if you're gonna die young. I'm not gonna tell you if you're gonna die of cancer. And I'm not gonna tell you if you're gonna suffer. But what I am gonna tell you is I'm gonna be with you. And whatever you go through, I'm gonna be right there going through it with you and I'm gonna give you what you need when you need it. That is enough. That is enough. If I know God's with me and I know he's gonna give me what I need when I need it, man, that's better than morphine for any pain. How many of you ever had pain so bad you had to have morphine? You have a kidney stone, you'll ask for it. But God's gonna give us what we need when we need it. Can I get an amen? Amen. If that's all you got out of this message, it would have been worth you coming here today. God's gonna give you what you need when you need it. So don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. Be thankful for today. Be trusting for for your tomorrows. D, God allows my pain. Why? Why has he allowed my pain? I'm going to take you to the next level, since this is the last lesson in this series. In 2007, I did get cancer. I got colon cancer. You remember that. I'm not going to drag the story out. But God gave me an incredible miracle. I don't have cancer today. I'm eight years past that, okay? And for those of you that counted 48 to 59 and said, your father had 11 and now you are at eight, shame on you. I don't even think of that. I just think about the fact that God delivered me of cancer. I'm free from that. I'm healthy and strong and I'm thankful. I'm thankful. But when I came on the other side of cancer and I went through the same thing my father did, all the checkups for six months and all that stuff, 
I asked God one day, I said, God, why? You gotta get this too, this is a real nugget for you. Why, God? Why did you allow me to go through that? And this is what he said, because I wanted to give you another field to work in. If you have never sat before a doctor and had him say to you, you have cancer, you can never relate to somebody that's going through it. You can't. I cannot relate to a drug addict. I just gotta tell you that. I never was one, I never took drugs. I cannot relate to an alcoholic. But I can relate to being a sinner. I'm a, I was a vile sinner. But there are certain things that, that were not a part of my life. That's why God, when he put this body together, brings all kinds of us together. He brings the alcoholics and the, and the prostitutes and, and the drug addicts. And such were some of you. But you are washed. But you are sanctified. But you are justified by the name of the Lord Jesus and by the spirit of our God. And so he brings this body together because when a, oh, I feel this in the Holy Ghost. When a visitor walks into the sanctuary and they look around at people and they look so nice and they're worshiping God and they got their hands in the air and they're clapping and they're all excited. They say, none of these people can relate to me. I know who I am. I know what my problems are. I know the reasons that I am fearful. Nobody here can relate to me. Oh, yes, we can. Yes, we can. That's where we were. And God left us behind so that we could minister to you. Somewhere in this sanctuary, there are several people that are going through, that have gone through what you are going through. And they are here to minister to you. That's what the body's here for. I remember my pastor said something I, I never forgot. How many of you remember what it was like to come to an altar and just put your life on the altar and just say, God, I have made such a mess of my life. I'm so embarrassed by the decisions that I've made and the, and the consequences that I've suffered from them. But you know what, Lord? I'm just gonna lay my life on the altar. I'm just gonna leave that all behind. I'm gonna give you all the days of my life that remain, I wanna be a changed person. I wanna be what you want me to be. I want all that you have for me. And I wanna be all that I can be for you. Can anybody remember that? And can you remember getting up from that position with tears and all that stuff and your hair messed up and, and going over to a baptismal tank and being immersed in the name of Jesus for the remission of your sins? Can you remember what it felt like to come up out of the water and know that every vile thing you'd ever said or thought or done had been washed away? Can anybody remember that? Can anybody relate to what I'm saying? 
And, and can you remember when you lifted your hands, whether it was at an altar or in a pew or, or, or maybe even the waters of baptism, and you began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit of God gave you the utterance, and it was like a well just gushing out of you. And, and, and I mean, you never felt a high like being baptized with the Holy Ghost. I'm not a drug addict, but I'll tell you what, I've talked to drug addicts and they said, there's no greater high than receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost. There's no high like that high. Do you remember that? And my pastor, this is what he said. My pastor said, you know what? I just had a thought, folks, and I want to share it with you. He said, when you've repented, when you've been baptized, and when you receive the Holy Ghost, that's as close as you're ever going to be to heaven. Why doesn't God take you right then and there? Why give you another chance to mess up? He said, here's why. Because somebody needs your testimony. Somebody needs to hear the gospel. The brokenhearted need your ministry. They need to hear what God has brought you out of. You're here because you've got a work to do. Don't just sit, serve. Serve. Serve the Lord with gladness and serve the people. That's why we go through the things that we go through and the pain. 2 Corinthians 1 and 4, it says, He comforted us in our tribulation that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble. Did you see that? Any. Any trouble. How? By the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted by God. What God did for us, we need to tell them, He'll do for them. That's why we're here. That's why we're left behind. So don't be selfish. Don't be selfish with your testimony, minister. Recognize this. My hurts may help someone else. Let me read to you from Genesis chapter 50. How many of you remember Joseph in the Bible? Great visionary, great plans. And look at all the difficulty that that young man went through. The betrayal of his brothers. The lies of Potiphar's wife. The broken promises of people. And when he gets a chance to pay back his brothers, I want you to read what he said in Genesis 50 and 20. But as for you, uh uh-oh, here it comes. You thought evil against me. But God, there it is, but God. God meant it unto good to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. I don't know if you got it. But Joseph was really a savior. Oh, don't compare him to Jesus. Now wait, just a minute, just hear me out. If, If God hadn't given the dream to Joseph about seven years of plenty and famine, 
If God had moved on the Pharaoh to put him in the position as second highest in the land and to save the known world at Joseph's time would have died of starvation. But because he endured all of the trial and tribulation that he went through and kept his spirit, God brought the vision to pass and the dreams all came true. So because God speaks to you and tells you what he wants you to do and gives you dreams and visions does not mean that you're not going to have difficulty does not mean that people are gonna turn on you and hurt you and bring pain to your life and even falsely accuse you. It's going to happen. It doesn't mean God changed his mind and that he's not going to bring the vision or the dreams to pass. It just means that you're gonna have some pain and suffering along the way. I'm gonna throw this in just as another little nugget. This is what I've learned about being a Christian, not as a pastor, just trying to be a Christian like you, okay? My expectations of people are too high. And my expectations of God are too low. Because somebody is my brother does not make them faultless. I'm not faultless. We're all quick to admit it, right? If I'm willing to admit that I am not faultless, then that probably means most people are also willing to do the same thing. So people are going to make mistakes. And they're going to cause pain to come to your life. But you can endure the pain. You can get through it. You can have the victory over it. And it can be added to your arsenal and enlarge your fields of ministry because people are waiting for us. I I, I hope you're getting this. Praise God. Praise God. So, So what are you saying, Brother Kylie? I'm saying share your story. You know, uh, I realize that, that some people don't feel that they're maybe qualified. <laughs> I'm not qualified to teach a home Bible study. And so they say, well, I, I, I don't feel I can offer that to somebody. You know what you can offer? You could offer your testimony. I'm afraid I'd get into a theological argument and be in over my head. Well, maybe you would. But you know what will never fail you? They overcame by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. Nobody can take your testimony from you. Nobody can argue your testimony. They can't. They're not qualified. They're not you. So share your testimony. And while you share your testimony, three things you need to do. I know it's not highlighted on your sheet, but I think they're important. Number one, be humble. 
Don't make it about you. Make it about him, them, and then you. Get things in the proper order. Him, them, you. Number two, be real. Don't be, don't come across as so spiritual that they, you gotta relate to people. Can can I get an amen to that? You gotta relate to people. Jesus was speaking to the farmer's convention. He said, I'd like to talk to you about sowing seeds and growing a crop. What are you doing, Jesus? I'm relating. I'm giving you something that you're familiar with and showing you that there's a spiritual side to this. That's important. Be humble and be real. And don't lecture. We used to hear the term Bible thumpers. You ever hear that? Bible thumpers. We take the word of God and we butcher people with it. Start with your testimony. You don't know like I know what he's done for me. But I'd like to tell you what he's done for me. I'd like to tell you what he's done for me. And those are things that I can do. So I want to conclude with this. There are three things that I can do. Number one, I can make a commitment to God. Very, very important. Number two, I can trust and I can be accountable to someone other than myself. Very important. We all have weaknesses. We all have seasons of difficulty. But we need somebody we can trust that'll pray for us. And then number three, we need to share our testimony. I want to conclude with this verse of scripture and by some strange coincidence, it was in today's Bible reading. Isn't that something? Luke chapter eight, verse 38 and 39. Let's stand together. Luke 8, 38 and 39. How many of you remember Legion? And, all, and what the Lord did for legion. And it says, Legion besought him, in verse 38, that he might be with him. But Jesus sent him away. Let me stop there. How many of you love Jesus? Don't you just love to be in his presence and to hear what he has to say to you? And that's as it should be. You need those seasons. And so Legion said, boy, after all you've done for me, Jesus, please, let me get on your boat. I want to go with you. You're my everything. You're my hero. I've got so much to learn. and, And would you just please take me with you? everywhere you go. And Jesus said, I'm sorry. I can't do it. I'm gonna have to leave you behind. Verse 39. Here's what I want you to do, Legion. 
I want you to go to your relatives. Isn't that what it said? I want you to go to your own house, the place you used to live, the relatives that you have. And I want you to show them, give them a demonstration, the things that I've done unto you. And Legion went his way, and he published throughout the whole city how great things Jesus had done to him. He was not a Bible scholar, but he was a man with a testimony. And I'm just going to lay it, I'm just going to say it as strong as I can say it right now. Some of you have listened to me for eight weeks talk about helping the hurting. And in the back of your mind, some of you said, why is he doing that? Is he... Is he trying to help the hurting or is he promoting Celebrate Recovery because he's done that several times? My answer to you is both. I'm not pulling any punches. I believe in Celebrate Recovery. And I believe this verse of scripture relates to Celebrate Recovery because, get this now before I bring you to the altar, because too many of us want to ride Jesus's boat when we're supposed to be on the land, going to homes that are broken and lives that are waiting for our testimony. I don't need celebrate recovery. I don't relate to that. I've already been delivered. Do you know or has God brought you across the path of anyone that has a need? Then grab them. And tell them what the Lord has done for you. And tell them there's a meeting on Thursday nights at 6.30 where people get together and minister to one another. Bring somebody. If you don't need it, bring somebody. That's why we're still here. Everything that happened around the altar is great. We've been left behind. And Jesus wants us to go and publish what he's done. Jesus, I pray today that we would feel like we've never felt before, a relief in what you've done for us, but that it's no longer about us. It's about you. It's about them. And it's about us connecting with both. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.